we celebrate the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Our readings for this feast are taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. The responsorial psalm is Psalm 13, and the Gospel is Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 16 and 18 to 23. On this feast of Our Lady's birth, the first reading reminds us of God's loving providence, His exquisite plan and design that works all things together for our good. This is especially the case with the birth of Mary, knowing that because of the disobedience of our first parents, we needed a Savior, God from all eternity prepared for Mary's birth. From the first instance of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God, and in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, Mary was preserved, exempt from all stain of original sin. In other words, Mary was from the moment of her existence in the state of sanctifying grace. This is why one of the great titles given to Mary is the Immaculate Conception, and why the Church celebrates that solemnity on December 9th, exactly nine months prior to the feast of her birth on September the 8th. Today's feast is greatly celebrated because by it we know God's plan of salvation was at work from the beginning. But of course Mary had to cooperate with that plan, which she did in her great fiat. Let it be done to me according to your word. Mary had free will, and she could have said no to the angel Gabriel, like Eve had said no, and as some of the angels likewise said no. But Mary cooperated fully with God's plan throughout every aspect of her life by following her son, being with him during his ministry, and especially at the cross. This is why the Vatican II document Lumen Gentium, or Light of the Nations, refers to Mary as the model of faith for the Church. In contrast with Zechariah, who doubted the message of the angel, Mary believed that she would conceive in her womb of the Holy Spirit while a virgin and bear a son whom she would name Jesus. As well, Elizabeth, at the visitation, praised Mary's faith. The saints would do likewise. St. Ambrose, for example, taught that the Blessed Virgin Mary as the Mother of God is a type of the Church in the order of faith. St. Augustine, in his discourses, said, quote, Mary conceived first in her heart before she conceived in the flesh. As we celebrate this feast, we realize that God's plan of salvation did not stop with Mary, but continues with each one of us. This is why Mary's birth should call to mind our own, because God has also given us a specific mission in the world, a mission to bring Christ to other people by our thoughts and actions. God has also given us sanctifying grace, not at our conception, but beginning in our baptism and in the other sacraments, so that our life would be fruitful and pleasing to God. Finally, Mary's birth reminds us of the great dignity of each human life beginning at the moment of conception, because it is at that moment that God infuses a unique, immortal soul that is destined to live with God forever. May we always defend life in every aspect of its development and be ready to help parents with material and emotional support. So on this great feast day, we ask for our Mother's intercession that we would cooperate with every grace received and be faithful and fruitful for the kingdom of God.
Finally, a few words on today's Gospel from St. Matthew, which begins the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Why does the Church on the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary choose this passage? One reason would be to show Jesus to be a descendant of Abraham, the father of all Jews, and in particular, the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, that his seed would be a blessing to the whole world, and to show Jesus to be a direct descendant of David, fulfilling the covenant oath in Second Samuel chapter 7, that David's throne would be established forever. The Davidic reference is further emphasized in how the genealogy is divided into three sets of fourteen generations. The name David in Hebrew has the numerical value of fourteen. This corresponds to the Annunciation, when the angel Gabriel, speaking of Jesus, says to Mary, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Thus Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah from the kingly dynasty of David, conceived and born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose nativity we celebrate. The second reason relates to the break in the last link of the genealogy, where Joseph is not listed as the father of Jesus, but the husband of Mary. This is to ensure that Jesus is understood to be born not of human initiative, but as Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 state, of the Holy Spirit from the Blessed Virgin Mary. Third, the inclusion of four women in the genealogy who are not from the twelve tribes of Israel, but Gentiles with shady reputations, emphasizes that Jesus' salvation is offered to all nations. Who are these women? Tamar tricked her father-in-law Judah into an incestuous union. Rahab, the Canaanite harlot, hid the Israelite spies, thereby gaining protection and admittance to the Israelite community. Ruth was from Moab, a traditional enemy of Israel, who accompanies her mother-in-law Naomi to Bethlehem, where she marries Boaz and becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Finally, Uriah's wife Bathsheba commits adultery with King David. These four women, with their humble and irregular life stories, allow Matthew to anticipate and defend against an argument that Jesus, because of his humble birth to a virgin without a human father, could not be the promised Messiah. This is especially the case since the four women were in the genealogy prior even to King Solomon being crowned. If his messiahship was not invalidated by these women being in prior generations, nor should Jesus, who assumed the same title. These women also remind us that although we at times have dysfunctional backgrounds mixed with sin and brokenness, yet this does not disqualify us from seeking God's mercy and thus restored becoming key figures in the ongoing story of salvation. We see this with many of the canonized saints, like St. Matthew, St. Mary Magdalene, and St. Augustine. As the Church celebrates Mary's Nativity today, let us celebrate our birth both from natural parents and from the Holy Spirit in baptism, which inaugurates our special mission 
as redeemed saints 